Hey, it's Alan here with Trent today, the Enduring Churches podcast. We are so glad to have you with us um, today. Man, it's a great day to get some encouragement, a great day to think about different things in ministry and about how we can walk alongside you to help you and your church endure. So Trent, we're going to do that today uh, by kind of taking someone to the beginnings of all this process, right? Right. Yeah, we often talk through the things in the middle or even how to end, but um, sometimes we forget the beginning part. And uh, one of the things that Alan and I get so excited about, and over the years we've had people that we've grown up and then they go out to and feel called to ministry and we try to help them. And so today we want to uh, to help you think through, if, if you're in that point in life where God is, is talking to your heart and, and just calling you to, to serve him in ministry, what do you do? And so, um, Alan, we've got several steps here that we want to share with you. And and Alan, how do we how do we start? How do we start this whole deal? Well, you know, it sounds overly spiritual at times, but we've got to bathe any ministry opportunity in prayer. This just really, really is what it's all about. You and I have been through this. We've been through a ministry change in the last year. And uh, you and I put significant prayer um, into into those transitions. We prayed for each other. We enlisted people to pray for us. We prayed about the right opportunities. We, pr- we, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I, I know that I'm where I'm at because I'm where God wants me. I know you're where you're at because God wanted you there. And um, there are days where we're like, God, why did you do this? And uh, <laughs> yeah, both to the good and to the bad. Um, right. But but that's true in any ministry that there are days of, oh, my goodness, I'm in over my head. But yeah. um, I, I, it's it's always prayer. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because it is God who is calling us and it's he's the one who is leading. And so we want to find out, OK, God, I feel this sense of calling. Um, will you reinforce some things? Will you be a little more in depth? Will you show me? Uh, we all have questions. You know, uh, Moses, when he's standing there in front of the burning bush, was filled with lots of questions and and worries and fears. And uh, so. If you're at that point and God is calling you, you know, you, okay, God, I, can you give me a little more? I need some more information here. Yeah. So, I mean, and again, we don't want to just say this is just some spiritual service, but take it seriously. Take some dedicated time to really um, bathe this whole opportunity in prayer. But when you do, have done that and you know that God is is working in your heart to whether you're already somewhere and you feel God's moving you or you're new to ministry and God's calling you somewhere. Um, I think the next thing to do is, is look at the field, you know, start looking around and consider the needs of the churches that are, that, that are out there. You know, you can certainly see places that are looking uh, for pastors on websites or, or job boards um, in your community, denominational offices, all those kinds of places, but find out what the needs are out there well and and as you find out what the needs are you've got to find out am i equipped to handle those needs you know yes this is what's going on and this kind of leads to our next point is considering yourself 
And if you're, if you have a family, you know, are they ready to handle the going and serving God in those specific places? Or um, as you consider the broader church, what are, as Alan said, what are the needs? Am I able, do I have the tools in my toolbox to handle some of the things that will come at me? Yeah, I guess in, in some ways those two things are, are tied together. When you think about the needs of the churches, I can tell you, and, and Trent would probably agree, that yes, there's a shortage of pastors. Mm-hmm. And there's an extreme shortage of worship leaders. Mm-hmm. It's like that, and that's like extreme. And when we say extreme shortage, extreme might be too light of a word. Um, yes. they're, they're, not, they're not there. Um, in lay leaders who can lead other ministries in our church, there's a, there's a severe shortage in, in all those areas. And so ask yourself, you know, where, where, where is your gifting? Where are your skills? Where, where is your ability? And consider, consider yourself, you know, what, 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 what are your strengths? Um, what can God gift you to do? How, how is God gifting you to work in your life? But also when you consider yourself, Trent, you also have to think, too, what kind of place am, am I willing to, to serve in, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this still going, this is, this is like spaghetti, right? It's all connected somehow. It's all touching each other. But, but as you think about your family, where, where are you willing to take your family to as well? Um, where is your wife? I remember, Alan, I got to tell you this. Um, when I went to the church that I pastored in Colorado, they were telling about a, they had interviewed a pastor years before that, that they showed up, the pastor and his wife showed up and she never got out of the car. She would not get out of the car because Walmart and shopping was too far away. She didn't want to even consider where they were. <laughs> and so you got to think through some of those things. Where are you willing to take your family as well? Yeah, if, if the family's not on board, you just got to mark it off. You know, you yeah. just, you know, I, I've seen people willing to sacrifice their family for their ministry, and don't mm-hmm. don't be that person. Do not, yeah. do not, do not mess up the testimony of the church um, by by doing that. <laughs> but um, but also consider yourself. You know, there are certain places I just know I don't fit. Mm-hmm. You know, and so make sure you know. Ask yourself. Be honest with yourself. I do fit. I don't fit. And mm-hmm. you have to you have to know yourself well enough as well as your your family and that you know Trent this is an important one today I I think and tell me kind of your thoughts on this but ask yourself if co-vocational is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you have to um, talking with the the uh, gentleman who one of the church folks in the Minnesota Wisconsin uh, convention of the Southern Baptist. He was telling me that 80% of their churches are um, pastored by co-vocational pastors. And I've heard that to be true in Colorado. Um, and, you know, and it's becoming true pretty much across the board in, in the U.S. anyway. And so I think it's a big question that you need to consider. Yeah, I think, I think it pretty much takes 100 people, 100 people in a, in a church to offer one full-time salary mm-hmm. um, in, in most settings, like give or take. And I understand context is everything, so don't don't take that as hard numbers, more mm-hmm. anecdotal than anything else. But 
if you figure that as 100 and the average church has about 72 people in it, you might on a good day get three quarters of a full-time pastor, which yeah. means it's not, it's not enough. It's just not, it's just not enough. So the reality is, is that most of our churches in America are poised to be pastored co-vocationally um, by someone who's doing that. And that it is the ministry, tr ministry trend of the future. And it's, it's not, it's not either good nor bad. It's, it's just neutral. It's just, again, a, a reality of the calling. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, I, I've also heard the number of 125 if you want to include insurance in that pay package, um, you know, and it's gotten more so because insurance is so expensive. And so that's, that's part of it. But, you know, some people discount or think, think badly of, of co-vocational or bivocational pastors when not, I mean, not those people are rock stars because they're doing it, man. They're doing ministry all the time. And there's, I'm not sure I've ever met a, a part-time pastor. You're always a pastor. If you're full-time, you just don't get paid that way, right? So, Yeah, there's probably, uh, there's probably some full-time pastors who are working part-time, but yeah. it is not the, uh, it doesn't usually work the other way around, does it? Yeah, so, but ask yourself, if this is a possibility, understand that this is a real trend. If you have a desire and in sense of calling in your life, and you think that, that you're going to, you know, immediately go walk into some, you know, massive church, and that financially you're going to be okay, um, it's not likely going to happen. In fact, have an honest conversation, too. I know there's a lot of churches who expect a full-time pastor, but really can't afford one, and right. they need to start having some honest conversations, too, about how the role of pastor changes or pastor who has to have outside employment as well. So keep those keep those things in mind. Um, put together a quality resume. Can we camp here for a little bit, Trent? Absolutely. Let's do. Let's let's talk through this and mash it up. Because uh, we, we get resumes now, don't we? Uh, yeah, we do. We do. And uh, guys, if you know you need to do some research in what makes a quality resume because we get some terrible ones and it's like you're shooting yourself in the foot when you send that out man yeah i was talking with a church and they said we have no idea what to do we have no idea what to do in um finding in finding a pastor we were put together as a search team um, a group of people had already done some groundwork for us some leaders in the church what, what do we do now and they said, well, we've gotten about 75 resumes. We've already thrown about 50 of them out. <laughs> so here's people who didn't even, who admitted they didn't know what they were doing, who could look at 50 resumes that quickly and say, forget that, forget that, forget that, forget that. Yeah. I mean, that's some bad resumes. And oh, sadly, yeah. probably, probably two out of three resumes are, are bad. And it, mm -hmm. blow, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that people can pay so little attention um, to their resume, um, but they do. So what are some of the big mistakes that people um, do with that? Well, and as we get into this, I would say from the business world, it's been said that, you know, if you, your resume has about five to six seconds to catch someone's eye and, uh, you know, it, and, and the resume thing has changed some in the style and format and how many pages and all that. But one of the big things 
that we, and we've got several big things that you need to think through is no gaps in your in employment history, because that's a red flag is like, now, wait a minute. Was this guy homeless during that time or what, you know, were, are they not wanting to show what they were doing or not wanting us to connect with that person, you know, or that church, whatever. So first of all, no gaps. Yeah. If you had a gap and there was a time you were unemployed, just say unemployed in this period. Mm -hmm. And at least it covers it. You know, it doesn't, it erases the question. I mean, there may be a follow-up question, but that's a fair question. Why were you unemployed? You know, mm -hmm. so um, just account account for the gaps. Um, please check your spelling. Oh man, yes. <laughs> Alan and I both have wives that that we have asked to read through our papers and resumes at different times. And um, I don't know about you, Alan, but Dana has has bled all over my stuff, and that's she has forced me to get, yeah. become better at that. So. Okay. And I will tell you, I'm notorious for sending stuff out with typos. I, I really am. Emails or, or whatever. But my resume, I've checked and double checked and, and all those kinds of things because I wanted it to put a good foot forward. So make sure that you um, check your spelling. You know, um, Weird, Weird Al um, has a song I'm called I'm Tacky. And he says, you know, I, I put my resume in Comic Sans. Uh, I think another thing, Trent, is make sure you use normal fonts. Right. You know, you're not going to get, you don't get people's attention, um, <laughs> you know, by using Hercules font or something, <laughs> something silly yeah. like that. Don't Her do children. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Times Roman, something like that. Just use something, a basic font. This is not the place to show your creativity. Um, and so then the struggle is the next one is both succinct and comprehensive. You know, you want, you want to be comprehensive, but you, you, it's not like you're writing a novel, right? Right. So in other words, when we say succinct and comprehensive, don't say, you know, if you already had some ministry experience, don't say, you know, I was, I was the pastor of so-and-so church and then move on. Uh, then I was, you know, chief fry engineer at mcdonald's on your next line you yeah. know give a little give a little detail as to what you did mm -hmm. i preached messages you know um maybe you only preached half the time they had a shared pulpit so i preached messages half the time you know i led business meetings i mm -hmm. five or six things that, that you did and that define that define that role so that people have a, a, a reference for that and so that's a, that part is important so your resume, I, I know it's hard to talk about length, but if you go more than two pages, you've pro you're, you're probably not going to get the position. Um, I will tell you that. Most people, most people in most church settings, they get enough resumes to weed through that they don't, they don't want your book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that, Alan. And I think that's true in uh, you know business world as well. And, and sometimes people just say one page, but... Um, you know, two pages I think is good, but I would certainly wouldn't go beyond that. Um, and that gives you space enough to also include the next thing, which is good references. Um, and, and references are, are touchy, you know, and, and always, 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 always contact the people that you're putting on your reference. Talk to them before you put them on that on that page and ask them if it's OK if you do that. Always, always, always.
Yes, because Trent, I, even even recently, I know of a, of a person who had references on their resume, and those people didn't have kind things to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Which so, you expect references to be people who are going to talk well about you. Which so that's crazy that the person. Yeah, I mean, if, if if your references don't have good things to say about you, you, you probably ought not be applying for that position. I can tell you, I can tell you that with absolute certainty um, in, in that situation. But you do want people. But I will tell you too, as a job searcher, something that I'm not afraid to ask a reference is: Is there someone else who knows this person that I might be able to contact? Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not willing to, um, I am not willing to turn over a few stones, um, when, when needed to do that. And I might add something else, Trent, you know, um, your, your resume, there's a place sometimes we mentioned unemployment, but the next thing beyond your resume is answer uncomfortable questions up front. Mm -hmm. Take care of those things. If you've been divorced, address it up yeah. front if you've mm -hmm. got something in your criminal something in your criminal history address it up front if you address it and you bring it up it's much more likely to be dealt with in a positive manner than if if you oh, yeah. don't declare it mm -hmm. yeah because it's going to be very negative and it, it looks like you're hiding things if you don't if they find it and then ask you about it um, so you're absolutely right um, talk about those things. Say, hey, I just want to tell you up front, this happened to me, This I was a part of this, I made a bad decision, whatever. And then um, you can talk through it and answer questions they may have, and then you don't look like you're trying to be sneaky. Um, and you certainly don't want to go way into the process and then them find out about that. And uh, it, it, it can be bad. So just own up to stuff and tell people who you are. The next thing, Alan, is to be a humble candidate. Um, when you think about that, what comes to mind? Well, you know, Trent, when I, I think about being a humble candidate, you know, uh, I think about we, we were candidates not, not very long ago. And so the first thing I did is I, I, I wanted to know everything I could know about the role that I was taking. Um, you and I had signed up for conferences before we ever took this role. Um, we we engaged in learning about about the role, so we tried to be students of it. We didn't come in thinking that we already knew everything. In fact, every day that goes by, I realize there's less I knew about it than I thought I knew about yes. it coming into it. But um, but be a student of your role. You know, there's no way to know what it's like to be a pastor until you've been a pastor. There's no way to know what it's like to be a youth minister until you've been a youth minister. I mean, there just really isn't. So, be a student of your role. Be a student of your community. You know, right. learn about your community. I could I could go to the website and see that Jacksonville was the tomato capital of the world. Yeah, right. I didn't know that. I didn't know until I got here that every business has a little ceramic tomato out in front of it. This is a big deal. This is this is yeah. ingrained. This is ingrained in, into into the community here, and so you learn things. So learn learn about your uh, community. And we kind of mentioned the other one, vulnerability. So what yeah. do you think about those? Well, I, I I was sorry. I want to go back about the student of your community. I want to say just a, a little bit. There's so many resources about available out there, um, and then that well, allows you to ask good questions um, when you're interviewed. 
because you need to ask just as many questions as they ask you. Um, you need to be, um, you know, trying to find out from them. And so the more you know about the community, the more you can ask those good questions. But yeah, vulnerability, I think this really goes back um, about, kind of connects with answering those uncomfortable questions. You need to be willing to say, hey, I don't have a lot of training in this area, or hey, I, I'm hoping to get some training. I, I've not had a lot of experience in this, but I'm willing to learn. Always, you can turn that into a positive. Well, and you know, just like just like uh, you and I both say that we're not we're not masters of the details. <laughs> you know, we like we like people who can help us with details, and to acknowledge that that I need help with details isn't actually a deficiency. That's actually, I think, a leadership strength is to know yourself. And I actually think if I, I have sat in interviews with people who have said, I said, well, tell me what maybe one of your weaknesses is. And I've had them tell me, oh, I don't have any. <laughs> it's like, and, uh, yeah. yeah, humility, humility is one of your deficiencies. So, you know, it, it just it just shows up. So to know yourself, to know some of the areas that you're you're not good at. It may not have a huge impact on your role, but it has a huge impact on those who are learning about you to know that you know yourself. And I think that that part is important. I think the last thing we just want to say to you, if you're looking for a role in ministry, and this is one of the hardest things once you hit send, in an email uh, that turns your resume in somewhere is to practice restraint and patience. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. Um, Alan and I have both been frustrated with the slowness of ministry positions and churches. And, and it just, that's the way the nature of, of who they are. Um, think about what has to happen. Uh, it takes a long time for a church to come up with a search committee, but then those search committees only typically get together once a week. And they, if that. yeah, if that, maybe once a month sometimes, and they go through stuff a little at a time. And then they, they think, you know, it takes a long time. It takes a very long time. And, and this is an area where it's so opposite of the business world. Um, the churches don't appreciate aggression or aggressive people calling them say, Hey, have you got my stuff? You know, they don't appreciate that. Yeah, this is, you know, there's a couple of things we didn't mention a different, in, in a ministry resume, put your picture in there. In a secular resume, don't put your picture in there. You right. know, just little, little differences. But, you know, I've had people say, well, um, I haven't heard from this church. Should I email them? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. yeah. You know, I know. Um, it's so frustrating because we want to, right? It is, yeah. but, it, you know, churches get really hesitant when you start to sound desperate. Mm -hmm. And they begin to, they just begin to think, oh, they, they, they really don't have confidence in who they are and what they're doing right now. So they're, they, uh, maybe they're too desperate and it, yeah. it, right or wrong. It's just, it's just how it is. And so you've mm -hmm. got to be very patient. And Trent, you mentioned that, you mentioned that a lot of churches are slow and actually I'd say the healthier the church, oftentimes the, uh, probably the healthier amount of patience it's going to take sometimes because you mentioned a team and if you're putting together a search team there there could be a, a time to okay we need to really examine what it is we're looking for in a pastor and they're going to take time to refine 
those credentials and everything that they're looking for. And so they're, they're, they start to get resumes and resumes pour in and tr into churches before they've even formed committees most of the time. And so right. they've already gotten 30 or 40 resumes sometimes, and they're not ready to sit down and look at those sometimes for six, eight weeks, mm -hmm. even a couple months in, into the process at times. And so yeah, I'm telling you, just be patient, be patient right. and, and, and don't, the more you reach out, the less likely you are to get that position. And that, that is a little bit different from the outside yeah. world. Well, and I wanted to add another point um, here that, as you're doing this process, it's really important to talk with some people that you trust and say, okay, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm putting together my resume. Tell me some things about myself that I should be aware of, because sometimes we're not real self-aware, but other people notice some things. Um, certainly have several people read your resume before you send it out, um, but also talk through, you know, are there some things, um, some things that I should talk about that are uncomfortable or, um, you know, how do I, how do I prepare myself for this and, and be, be ready for it, but talk to other people. Yes. You know, maybe that involves getting some coursework or going to seminary or some of those other things as well. But we just wanted to kind of take you back to this resume place and this place where you're, just starting to put those feelers out. And for some of you, maybe it's been a long, long time since you've done that. And and maybe the times have even changed since you since you did that before. So we wanted to just give you some insights, some thoughts that we have. Um, we get a lot of resumes. And so hopefully um, these things will help you out just a little bit in finding and preparing yourself to be a good ministry candidate. Right. And if you have if you have questions, we would love to talk with you about this, you know, connect with us and we'll try to give you some examples. Um, you can send your resume. We'll be glad to look over it and, and say, hey, you might want to consider changing this. You know, um, those are some things we've learned the hard way. And we have um, folks that have helped us to grow in this. We want to be one of those folks for you. So we do appreciate you taking some time to listen to this. We really hope that it was helpful for you today. Um, please share this if you have the opportunity. If some of the things we talk about are helpful to you, please share it with other folks and connect with us. And uh, we'll have in our show notes how to, how to do that. So God bless you. We hope you endure in all that God calls you to do. Thanks for tuning in today.